Hello and welcome to Stonebridge Worship Online. I'm Associate Pastor Jonathan Lucia. Let us begin worship with these words. Come, let us sing to God. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come with thanksgiving into the presence of God. Let us make a joyful noise to God with songs of praise, for it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Let us worship God today. Welcome to Stonebridge Online. Feel free to pause the video during these announcements in order to grab all the information you may need. During this time of worshiping virtually, it's important to continue contributing to the ongoing ministry of Stonebridge. Here are the ways in which you can give. First, you can give online through our website at stonebridgecme.com. Click on online giving. Secondly, you can give through your bank's bill pay option. Or third, by mail. If you'd like business reply offering envelopes sent to you, please contact the church office. We would love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your news, prayers, and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in version, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are an important part of Stonebridge's community of faith. Once again, welcome to online worship. And once again, I do want to say, if this is your first time joining us, uh, or if you are a person who has started participating in worship with us online, we are so glad uh, to have you with us. Let's uh, have a word of prayer together. Father God, we are beyond grateful for your grace and your love in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would be honored today as we worship you. God, you are holy and you alone are worthy of our praise. Receive our praise today, God, by your grace. And touch our hearts, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. 
You are the one that rescues me 
song, I hear the song of victory ring over me. I hear the song, I hear the song of victory ring over me. I hear the song, I hear the song of victory ring over me. I hear the song. It's so great to be here with you for my last weekend, and I wanted to share something important. I've done it again. You guys, I've killed another plant. But more importantly, I think I finally killed this plant. Now, this is the plant that I brought to service last year as part of one of my sermons. That was also probably the last time that it was green. Normally, this plant produces green shoots and new growth, despite my onslaught of overcare. Not this time. This time it hasn't been green for quite a while. Here's the ridiculous thing. I continue to water a brown and brittle plant. Call me dedicated or totally ridiculous. Either one is probably true. The thing is, I've been packing my belongings and preparing for my upcoming move across the country. And now the question remains, do I pack up and cart this brown brittle plant all the way with me across the U.S.? For those of you who know about my inability to care for plants, you're probably voting for me to ditch it, to leave it behind. I totally hear that. I get it. The thing is, I'm kind of attached to this sad, sad little plant. Getting ready to move and packing has been a reminder of all of the stuff that I've collected, kept, and ultimately forgotten that I've owned. Going through my belongings has been a journey through all of the things that I am attached to. Some of my possessions bring me comfort, so it's a relief to have them around. Other possessions are reminders of life events and things that have happened in my life, so I want to keep them. The truth is, some of my stuff is simply not needed. Like DVDs. Do I really need those if I haven't played a DVD in ages? I'm sure you could look around your house right now and find things that you haven't thought about in years. And if you've moved recently, maybe you've also experienced this reintroduction to your stuff. All of us are attached to something. 
or maybe a lot of some things, it takes a big change or a loss for us to recognize what we are attached to in life. For instance, take the coronavirus. It's been quite a change for all of us. I've learned I'm attached to working in a quiet, air-conditioned, distraction-free environment. All of that is tied to my attachment to being productive. I have this inner need to be productive in order for each day to count. I've also learned that I am really attached to in-person relationships. The global pandemic and sheltering in place have been difficult for obvious reasons. There's been the loss of people, the loved ones in our lives, the loss of income, the loss of plans. Maybe you had a graduation or a vacation or a wedding or a life event that you were looking forward to celebrating and you didn't get to celebrate it or it didn't happen the way that you thought it would. One change or loss that hits close to home for me is the loss of control. I like to be in control, and maybe you do too, but you can't control a virus, and you can't control when life will get back to some sense of normal. I like to plan out events. I like my calendar. You could say that I am attached to planning. At the beginning of our stay-at-home order, I felt unbalanced. A lot of things felt wrong and out of place. I was so attached to one way of living that it was really difficult to adjust to another way of living. Now, attachments are natural things. We become attached to a certain way of living or a certain way of thinking or a certain ideology. Our way of living looks different than it did a few months ago. And now as we face the question of re-entry into society and figure out what living post-COVID-19 looks like, we have to ask ourselves, what part of living pre-COVID-19 am I attached to? If you had told me six months ago that I was attached to toilet paper, I would have laughed in your face. Yet in the last week of March, I found myself counting the rolls of toilet paper that we had left in our house. So your first next step this week is to take some time and ask yourself, what has sheltering in place revealed about my attachments? Here's why this matters. God wants to birth something new in and through you. But until we do the inner work of realizing what we are attached to, the next step of letting go and opening ourselves to new growth can't happen. And this question of attachment is really a question of discipleship. What are we attached to that takes precedence over following Jesus? What are we attached to that keeps us from growing as disciples of Christ? Our attachments keep us distracted from following Christ. So if attachment to things or ideas or feelings keeps us distracted, then what's the alternative? Detachment. Detaching from preoccupation with material things or the need to control our lives opens us up to following God's will.
Detachment, it can sound like a negative thing. However, here's what detachment is not. Detachment is not a withdrawal and isolation from those around us. We are called to serve our neighbors and love our enemies. Detachment doesn't change that. Detachment also is not an emotional numbing or apathy towards the cares of others. Instead, detachment is an intentional decluttering of our lives so that we have space for God to birth something new in and through us. Think of it this way. I could take this brown, brittle plant all the way across the U.S. and put it in my new home and try and water it. It's not going to grow anything, though. It's time to let it go. There is space in there. I could also cram another plant in there and try and get a new plant to grow, but that wouldn't be healthy because the new plant needs fresh soil and space to grow. Similarly, what things do we nurture and tend and care for in our lives that are keeping us from following the example of Jesus? What things do we cart around with us on a daily basis, like this plant, that keep us from new growth? Paul, the author of several letters in the New Testament, was a big fan of detachment. Paul would preach messages about detaching from material things and distractions. And Paul told the Colossians in his letter to their church that they were new creations. And as new creations, they couldn't continue to live the same way that they had before they knew Christ. Paul told them to throw out or get rid of their old way of living. They can't hold on to their old way of living because they have been made new. Their lives drastically changed as a result of their relationship with Christ. And Paul didn't say it this way. But it's kind of like keeping our trash with us forever in our house instead of throwing it out. Paul had a strong inclination towards detachment because of his relationship with Jesus Christ. From what we know of how Jesus lived his life, when he engaged in conversation with people, he was constantly chipping away at their attachments whether it was their attachment to power or money or even their way of praying and worshiping. Now, one big example is the conversation that Jesus had with a rich young man. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all recount this conversation. This is from Luke 18. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. Jesus responds by pointing this rich young ruler back to the Ten Commandments. He is first to practice what he knows. Then Jesus presents him with the next step in his faith journey. 
a step that the ruler wasn't really ready for. When Jesus heard this, when he heard the man's response, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the ruler heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Can you imagine Jesus telling this person, this wealthy man, someone of great status, that he lacked one thing? How can he be so wealthy and yet still not have everything? What kept this rich ruler from growing in his relationship with God was the security and status that his wealth afforded him. Money is a powerful attachment. And in the case of this rich ruler, he needed to sell all of his possessions and give the money to the poor. Similarly, each and every one of us has attachments that we need to surrender. We're attached to our houses and the money that we've invested in them. We're attached to our health, our comfort, our way of living. In Mark's recounting of this moment, he notes that Jesus looked at the young man with compassion. He didn't shame him for his attachment. And I think Jesus knew the next step was too great, but he offered it anyway. He offered something greater. Now, maybe the rich young ruler didn't hear Jesus's offer to follow him. Maybe there was a rushing in his ears and he missed the invitation. Jesus wasn't telling him to detach for detachment's sake. He was offering something better. He was offering this man a chance to follow in the footsteps of Jesus and learn how he did life. It's the same invitation that Jesus extended to the disciples when he called them. They left everything they had and followed him. They left their boats, their careers, their families, and their businesses. They detached themselves so that they could claim a new life in Christ. The disciples immediately responded by leaving their nets and following Jesus. But as you read through the New Testament, you see that it was a process for the disciples to detach just like it's a process for us to detach from the things that we hold on to, from our preconceived notions and comforts. And there are a couple times when the disciples argued amongst themselves. And you know what was at the heart of those arguments? They were arguing about who among them was the greatest. Even in this close-knit group of friends, Competition and status had a stronghold in their hearts. James and John's mother even went so far as to ask Jesus to set aside a special place for her children. She's a mom. Of course she wants to make sure that her sons have the best. You want to know how the other disciples reacted? When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. They knew that James and John asking for a privileged position in God's kingdom was unfair and made them angry. 
even though they spent all this time in the presence of Jesus, things like status and power and privilege were still a struggle for them. Jesus called all the disciples together, and he responded to their request this way. You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. This situation is one instance where the values of the world come into sharp contrast with God's kingdom. Things like greatness, honor, and prestige in the kingdom of God are replaced with things like sacrifice, service, and humility. The behaviors and actions of Jesus's followers are different. There's a different standard for followers of Jesus. And when Jesus outlined what it looks like to follow him, he told the disciples that they had to deny themselves and take up their crosses daily and follow him. If they tried to hold on to their life, they would lose it. But whoever loses his life for Christ will find it. The paradox here is that in loss, we have gain. In letting go and detaching, we receive life. Understanding our attachments frees us from the hold that they have over us. Let's go back to this plant one last time. Our roots and connection to this world go deep. God wants to bring new growth to your life. And in order for there to be space for new growth to happen, it requires that God pulls us up by the roots so that we can detach from this earth. And yeah, it's going to be messy. Just like I'm going to make a mess right here in the sanctuary. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to have to vacuum the carpet. It's going to be messy. But those roots are so deep. God is pulling us out, pulling those roots out so that new growth can take place. So how do we begin to untangle? How do we begin to detach ourselves, to pull those roots up? The first step is awareness. Take some time this week and ask yourself, what are you attached to? One clue if something is an attachment is if anger rises up inside you when someone pushes against your attachment. If someone challenges something in your life, do you get angry about it? Is that an attachment? Another clue is that we become defensive about our attachments. So after you've identified what you're attached to, the next step is to ask yourself, does this attachment get in the way of me following the example of Jesus? Does this attachment draw me closer to Jesus or farther away? And then the next step 
is to practice habits that continue to chip away at our attachments. This past spring, our series for our students was on spiritual disciplines. There is a wealth of knowledge in spiritual disciplines that the church has been doing for thousands of years. Our habits and our spiritual disciplines can lead to a deeper trust and understanding of God. In the 13th century, a man named Meister Eckhart spent a large part of his life preaching a message of detachment. Meister Eckhart believed that prayer was the primary way for him to detach from the things of this world. He wasn't the only one to think that. In the 16th century, St. Ignatius of Loyola created a way to pray that reviews the events and emotions of each day. He encouraged his congregation to hold on to the things that brought them closer to God while leaving aside the things that don't. Ignatius created the Daily Examine, a way to review the events and emotions of the day. And I've included a link to that form of prayer in version. I've used this form of prayer so many times over the last eight years with students that they're probably rolling their eyes at me right now. The great thing about prayer is that we follow the example of Jesus. After some of his busiest and longest days, you could see that Jesus detached from the daily events and spent time connecting with God. He spent time alone praying to God. Prayer is one daily habit that releases our attachments. Silence and solitude are another. I totally get it. If this whole experience of sheltering in place has given you enough silence and solitude to last you a lifetime, I'm right there with you. The thing is, I haven't actually been alone. My computer, my tablet, my iPhone are open right there on the desk next to me. And I reach for them without even realizing it. It's a reflex to check my phone. That's an attachment. And if the idea of silence and solitude makes your skin crawl, maybe there's an attachment there that needs to be explored. I find that I can't participate in silence without also calming my mind. Like a web browser, my mind has 15 tabs open, two YouTube videos, and an hour's worth of TikTok videos running in the background. In order to sit in silence, I also have to calm my mind. Prayer, silence, and solitude. Develop these habits in your life so that you can push back on your attachments. Detach from the things that keep you distracted and hold you back from following Jesus. And like Jesus told his disciples, surrender your life so that you will find it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the example of Jesus, for the calling to be your followers. Lord, I pray that we are able to stand strong in that calling, to follow you and you alone. Lord, allow us to be witnesses in this world, examples of your love and your grace. Help us to find moments for prayer, for silence, and for solitude so that we can connect and connect with you.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I am so glad to say that I've had a chance to get to know Pastor Cynthia. I am absolutely confident that in years from now, people are going to say to me, you knew Cynthia when she was at Stonebridge in Simi Valley? What, what was she like? And I can honestly say Cynthia is one of the smartest pastors uh, I've ever known. In fact, she's the only pastor I've ever known that has a diploma on her wall written in Latin. Well, Cynthia is going to make a huge impact uh, wherever she goes. And we are grateful in our denomination to have her. And so, uh, Cynthia, go with God's blessing. We've had the privilege of taking the Lord's communion this weekend. And yes, it was in a drive-through situation and people wore masks and gloves, but we were together and the Holy Spirit was there through the elements of uh, juice and bread. And we know that uh, whenever we are together and we take this bread and this cup, we are able to proclaim the Lord's death and his resurrection and hope for the future and confidence for today. And we proclaim that until he comes again. People of God, these are the gifts of God for us today.
And let's conclude today's worship with words from Isaiah chapter 44. This is what the Lord, our God, and our Savior says. I am the first and I am the last. There is no God but me. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. I alone am God, the rock in whom you can trust. Go in peace. Thank you for worshiping with Stonebridge today.